coming at you live from the Koppel Chevrolet GMC Studios. This is Old School. Sponsored by the Mercado by Certified Piedmontese. Broadcasting veteran Derek Pearson. When you find something that moves them, that makes them smile, celebrate it. That's your task. That's your superpower. Nebraska Football Hall of Famer Jay Foreman. Rifles a pass. It was tipped. It's picked off by Foreman. He's at the 15, 10, 5. He'll score! On 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Hey, you know, you know what I was thinking, man. I was watching the games this weekend. Look at Jake. Oh, angry Jake. Hey, that these cats when they score in college now, they get to they get to they get to get down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like back when back when I played, like if you did anything besides give the ref the ball was 15, 15 yard, you know, a penalty, unsportsmanlike conduct. I was just thinking, like when you saw Coaches cats don't score. do. But I'm trying to think who in college, like unless it's like a Heisman pose. Like that was the beginning. Like Desmond. Yeah, Desmond did it. Desmond's Heisman pose might have been the first one that I can recall. Well, back when Miami and them, they would score, take the helmet off, all types of stuff. But then they, you know, nixed that because the Hurricane didn't like that. Remember the the convicts versus the Catholics, and then because um, they stopped you from taking your helmet off, taking your helmet off, and then, then it became you couldn't dance. Oh, you couldn't do anything. And then because uh, Eric Bieniemy used to take his helmet off, he throw up the Q dogs. So you couldn't really do anything now. These they could do handshakes, do a little something, and the rest are way more lenient. They yeah, I everything. mean, well, you still want. I mean, this you was still don't want to be like homeboy from the uh, Ole Miss when they were playing Mississippi State in the Egg Bowl, and he and he lifted <laughs> lifted up his leg and Peter <laughs> and lost in the game. And the best thing is, it, it was they had a, a Twitter, you know, replayed it. Yeah, but the commentators were uh, Russian. <laughs> it's the funniest thing ever because they're like, oh, <laughs> DJ Moore. Oh, oh, that's not good. You know, <laughs> and, and that was the only thing you could hear it in like broken English. Right. Everything else was in 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 their uh, you know Russian or whatever. So no, but you would have you would have celebrated like it had you like it wouldn't have been long. Well, because of Coach Osborne, not yeah. because you didn't have it in you. Because yeah, I would have yeah. But you know what's funny though. Every time, like, you would think, especially as a defensive player, what are you going to do? Because in the NFL, you could do it. And then by the time you make a play, you're either too tired or you get bombarded with people falling, people on, falling you. on you yeah. and, and jumping on you. And you want to celebrate with your teammates more than anything. Um, but, uh, you know, the only time I ever celebrated at Nebraska, I think I picked one off in spring and literally high-stepped from, like, the 30-yard line into the end zone yeah. and, and threw it in through the, the ball against the cage. You know, it's – practice did my little dance coach Osborne couldn't run he kind of you know did his little yeah he let thing. you know he was getting he, there he, yeah he was getting there kicked the brother out of practice <laughs> <laughs> hey I was in the scrimmage for four plays it was a quick Saturday for me oh. he's like in the game that'd be 15 yards and I was like I'm thinking in my mind I don't care you know because and really you talk about competition and we just talked to Feldarius but it's totally different but talk about competition I went from full-time starter, switch position, to competing at another position in spring. And so, did I like that I had to? No. Did I felt like I should have to compete for position with somebody? No. I felt like I was better. But then, ultimately, it fueled me to show that I was better. And then, I got my frustration out on that, you know. And, and then, every time I went on a, uh, went out there and played. Now, look, I played for coaches 
or you know that I didn't particularly like um, or care for. Um, but by no means would I ever jeopardize my teammates or finishing the job or anything like that based on that because ultimately who I cared about most was the guys that I you know went to you know play with and went to battle with it's funny you say that because so when I first got to college I had never hit left-handed but when I got there my main competitor was a left-hander like you can't win the starting job because He's left-handed, and we we were going to face a ton of right-handed. Right-handed, yeah. Now, my initial reaction would have been, well, that sucks. I can just settle in to playing every third day, yeah, every fourth day. Yeah, whenever they can fit you Every in. fourth yeah, day. Based on the schedule and right? the pitchers and stuff. Or, or waiting in, you know, late in the game. Like, right. I'll be the late-game replacement. Right, yeah. Because um, I could steal a base, and then I could play defense. But then it was – the assistant coach, Chip No, God bless you. Man, he he whispers at me and he goes, Well, with your hands and your and your speed, if you could hit left handed, you'd never be out of the lineup. Right. And so the light went on. Right. And he said, Okay, let's get in here. We'll do the work. And we did the work for ten days. Right. Ten days. And this is as soon as I got down there, right? right. He was like, You're gonna compete, but this dude's left handed. That right. Jay, the very first scrimmage we had, the, the, which was the, the, the summer scrimmage, right. was us against Richmond. And they had some dudes. But he announces the lineup and he says, DP, you're hitting first. And you're hitting left-handed. Right. Coach says, you've been working on it. And I don't know if you remember Mickey Rivers. No. Played for the Yankees. Mickey did bat flips. He was kind of, kind of a weirdo. Right. At, at in in the box, right? But every pitch he would hit the bat. You know, he'd hit the bat with his cleats. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he did okay, all. Yeah. Like he he'd take a pitch and he'd flip the bat. Well, I don't know what happened, but the the the, the spirit of Mickey Rivers right. jumped in my body the first at bat, and I literally did the first at bat as Mickey Rivers. Sure. And they walked me because the dude was like, "What is going? What on? is he going? Yeah, oh, where, yeah. Where's the strike zone? Right. Steal a base. Yeah. Steal a base. Base hit. I, I've won the job if I can maintain." But I have to get better at it. Yeah. So every day, when everybody just took their batting practice, if you were doing 100 swings, I had to do yeah. 300 swings. Because 200, I had to catch up left-handed. And you could bail on stuff like that. Or you can get to work. So when you tell me you come in as a safety yeah. and make the move yeah. to linebacker. Yeah, I didn't know what I was. <laughs> I didn't know what I was. <laughs> I, 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 I can tell you one thing I wasn't. I wasn't gonna be no no wing back cut blocking. That is one thing this <laughs> wasn't gonna do. Okay, so I could, and I will tell you this for you people out there: if they would have tried to, if if they would have said you have to play wing back, I guarantee I would have transferred. Oh no, nah, I can't say I guarantee. But if I was in college right now, I was like, I, I ain't here to be rolling around on the carpet, man. I look, I would have never got on the football field if I hadn't. So we had three. We ran a wishbone. And then we ran the triple option. Right. And we had three two-year starters in front of me right. at each position. But the fullback, who was at the time like 210 pounds, but he would get hurt because he would just bang himself. Yeah. He would just run into stuff. And coach was like, well, I can't get you on the field unless you block. Like, 
you're going to get a third of the carries, but a quarter of the carries, but you need to block. Right. And I said, just out of side of my mouth, look, man, you put me, you put me out there, I'll block. I don't care what position yeah. you put me at. He right. goes, okay. So against the first defense, he puts me at fullback. Right. I'm 150 pounds soaking wet, but I can either go like, all in, yeah, figure it out, right? And I'm figure like, figure it out, yeah. I, I mean, figure, that's, that's, the, that's the biggest thing about sports. It's you know, when I moved to middle linebacker, I might have been, uh, you know, I don't know. Well, I think, well, my first year at middle linebacker, I was maybe like 220. Mm. Maybe if that 225, you know, you kind of give or take. And we ran this defense called the bubble defense, which is kind of, you know, I would line up over the guard, whether it's the, you know, tight inside or open side to create more one-on-ones for our defensive line which was great and then obviously would take the you know let our linebackers run free now granted is that ideally what you want to do as a middle linebacker is that ideally what you want to do as a linebacker switching from outside linebacker where you're kind of running hit and you cover and all that not because I played Sam so I would cover tight ends cover slots you know the blocking schemes that I would see are were relatively easy is down and around as fullback iso as boss I mean it's kind of like you're you're in your own little section but then, you know, you got, you know, Chris Neoli and Benji Olsen and Olin Krutz, and these guys are, you know, 10, 12 years in the league, you know, but they're all great players, and uh, and you got to figure it out because you're outweighed. Let's just say they're all – well, if they're 280, 290, 70 pounds, definitely stronger than I was. Um, you know, just bigger and it's inexperienced. You got to think – in a matter of two years, I went from solely running back playing. I think I played three or four games on defense. Red shirt to get your butt kicked. Play outside linebacker, um, and then move to a totally different position. Then you got to take on leadership roles, right? So, you're, so you're you're a middle linebacker. You're calling, setting the defense. Then you got to do your job. Then you got to be able to adjust, and then you got to take on essentially um, not get blown out, blown out the way, you know, by a offensive lineman and then you got to do it all spring against our offensive line which is obviously was one of the best of all time yeah. so how so important to figure out how to still do that and make plays but i think you just nailed a thing how that it was very important for you to go through and redshirt and take the beating yeah well, right yeah. like yeah it, i mean it, it's, it's like that's you know, important that's an important it, part yeah, of this well, process it, it was a, a lot of us went through it um i think out of my class that came in Grant Wistrom played as a freshman. Octavius McFarland came in and he played, and it was mainly on special teams. I think he was dead set on playing as a freshman. He didn't play any at safety, but he's from Bastrop, Texas. And if you talk to Tavy coming out of high school, they played semi-pro high, yep. semi semi-pro football in high school down there. So he played. I think those are the only two. And if there was anybody else, I don't really know. So you had a lot of you know good players. Me, Mike Rucker, Jason Wiltz, We all redshirted, so we all kind of went through it together. We all went through the this sucks. I could have went to you know in Ruck's case, it could have went to Missouri. Wiltz could have went to LSU and played. You know you have teammates that are playing as freshmen that they were your high school with. You know I could have you know I don't know maybe you know Michigan State or whatever. Um, you know you know Trey Creighton. You know he could have went to all the California schools and Arizona State. Kenny Cheatham and so forth and so you kind of we all kind of bonded through that experience and then we still kind of you know not kind of we worked hard at it and then we started to really take it upon ourselves to 
make it as difficult as possible against, you know, the best offense in the nation and not be blocking dummies. And then as we went through spring, we kind of kept it on. But, as, yeah, you learn a lot about yourself. But, you know, I'd be lying to you if I said I didn't ever doubt myself, ever think about quitting. You weren't I mean, supposed to like it. Oh, no, it wasn't fun. Right, like you weren't um, supposed to like it. That's the that's how. No, but, it, but, you know, I doubted myself, thought about quitting, thought about transferring. I mean, the walk from the stadium to uh, – I think I lived in Abel, you know – was not fun, you know, talking, you know, with red shirts, um, you know, just, well, juice, you know, we're doing all the, you know, we, we're not getting anything, you know, we're down in the North locker room, probably had like one, one, th- one stall, you could drop a deuce and you didn't have, it wasn't enclosed, right. you know, you got to be the first in the shower because you felt like the cold water would be in there. <laughs> and then, you know, we're in steel lockers and stuff like that. I mean, so we had to earn our, earn our dues. And now, now granted, I know now, you can't really do that because it's all about the facilities and stuff. But, um, yeah. So I mean, there's always doubt. And then, but then on the other on the on the other side, you know, of course, I you know wanted to make sure I you know got a good education, but also didn't want to be that guy that couldn't make it, right? Because there was a couple guys that came down here from Minnesota that didn't make it. And you know, when I first got down here, there was a guy um, named Mar- Marvin Sims who ended up going to. Uh, Mankato State, which is now Minnesota State, and having a great career, but he was behind Lawrence Phillips, and he was, you know, came in with I think Damon Benny and Clinton Childs and all those guys. So then it was a numbers game, right? And it's kind of like quarterback, you know, whereas running back, you know, you got five guys, you're not going to get a lot of carries. Um, so I was here, and then he was heading back up to Minnesota, you know. But Marvin is a guy that I looked up to because he he got recruited by Nebraska, and he was the guy that you always saw on Channel 9 News playing in Apple Valley, rushing for 200 yards, and then obviously he comes down here. And then I take a chance to come down here, and I was like, well, dang, if he can make it. But I didn't ever want to be that guy that was back at Friday night at my high school talking about – We know those yeah, dudes, right? Yeah, like, right. Like we have a long list of dudes. That couldn't make it. Right. Yeah, so at, by no means was I ever going to quit. And then ultimately I think one of the things that guys don't – draw back on is what do they call it fight or flight and that's a little bit different because you know some, a lot of times people equate fight or flight to life or death but in football the fight or flight is the ability to figure out how to be productive and be a good football player even if it's not all set up for you to succeed I talked about when I played in the bubble which we got that defense from Florida State they were like the team back then and, you know, their middle linebacker playing the bubble, and they had, you know, guy, you know, so they did it, and the guys played it before. It worked out for us, obviously. And then, you know, here I am trying to learn to play it, and guys that played it before, you had, like, Phil Phil Ellis that was really good at it, Doug Coleman that was really good at it, and Doug was built like a – he's like a beach Greek god. He was 245 pounds, yoked up from New Jersey – you know, six two, six three, just you know, tan. You know, it, it just it was just, and then here I am, eating every calorie I can get, trying to lift weights and make sure that my weight stays above like two twenty two to two twenty five, and trying to play a new position and plan to you know try to you know win a third national championship. And it wasn't fun because, as you watch other teams, say like if we watch Michigan, say if we watch Miami, if we watch Florida State. Their linebackers are playing regular linebacker positions, and um, but ultimately you find out you know who you are and what you can do, and and then 
when I started to embrace it, because I fought it for a while, um, and maybe a little bit of it when I got you know in trouble at practice, and then started to embrace it, I started to figure it out and try to make a positive. I wanted to have every time that I was in there, I wanted to you know obviously do what I'm supposed to do, but I wanted to make two or three plays, be in on two or three plays in that position, so they couldn't use it and say you can't do this, right? So I didn't ever want to have any excuse for you not to play me because once I figure, once you get in the flow of the game, you can find a way to kind of guess or cheat to beat a lineman or to figure out, okay, in this defense against this front, they can run this plays so I can make an educated guess and go from there. And then ultimately when I got to the NFL, taking on linemen, reading blocking schemes, just maybe that second faster, um, really nelegated, especially early in my career, my first six, seven years, any type of speed disparity that I had, say, like against another fellow linebacker or guy I was in competition with or the ability to be physical or anything like that because I was able to read plays and get there before anything happened. You know what I'm saying? Well, th that's IQ. Right, but it, 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 it became IQ, but it became using something that, I, that was a negative for a season that eventually helped me, getting off blocks, ability to play with leverage, ability to use the lineman's leverage, the ability to use my leverage in order to get off a block and get in on more plays isn't necessarily IQ, but it's just using, adapting to make sure that your negative isn't some, something that's going to hold you back from being productive. How much time is spent with linebackers, front seven defensively and offensive line on hand fighting? I don't know. I mean, I know, I know in the pros, I mean – when I got to Buffalo, uh, again, it was fortunate enough that I played in the bubble because we ran a 3-4 and they usually kept eight. I was a late fifth-round pick, and they told me the only reason we picked you because you're on the board. We don't really need you, right? Mm -hmm. Sam Cowart was a all-rookie, so that was an all-pro as a rookie. John Holasek was just in his fourth, fifth year, just got re-upped to a big deal. Marlo Perry was their third-down linebacker, an eight-, nine-year veteran. Um they had was it John Simmons who was like our special teams guru, so then there's me at inside linebacker, right? And so I had to make it on special teams, and I had to make it on playing more than one position. So what I learned playing in the bubble allowed me to be emergency outside linebacker. So as when you make the travel roster, yeah, I'm not the starter. I might not be even be the backup, but if DP pulls a hamstring, you know, big sky, you know rolls an ankle and we got to throw you in there for a game or two, you're not going to, you know, let the fort, you know, burn down. So that's how I made it there. And one thing that helped me was with my experience at Nebraska, but we used to do these like hand fighting drills as, as like warm ups, mm -hmm. you know, and it would be like two minutes, but it was just getting your act in. And it was when you see them, you know, when I see guys, I was like, that ain't going to help you. But then when it, when you think about it as you did it, your hands are so much quicker and stuff like that, and you, you're able to use, um, you know, using the different angles that you'd use the hands to finish plays. Or the biggest thing that I learned in Buffalo from Wade Phillips and Ted Cottrell um, was finishing every single play. So when we would be doing nine on seven, even though we'd only do thud, and here comes Jamie Nails, right? And if you guys, if you guys get to Google Jamie Nails, homeboy – was six foot six, three hundred sixty pounds, and can move a big old giant. And he from Florida A and M, so he was a big. I mean, and he was and he was coming in, and he had the the biggest head ever. His I used to always make fun of him. I was like, dude, 
you're going to break your nose because your face is just taking up the whole helmet, you know, like right next to your face mask. So when you had to go against him and he's coming to engulf you and, you know, obviously blow you up, you got to punch, you got to explode into him. But then if Ted Washington's making the play, because we used to do a lot of in training camp, just line up in a, you know, odd front. That's a zero. Ted against the, the center, two five. So it'd be Bruce and Phil Hansen. So they're going up against the tackles and the two linebackers would be head up on the guards. So they would run like, you know, 21 take or something. That's just straight zone block, right? So when you take on Reuben Brown or you take on Jamie Nails, you know, even though Ted and those guys are maybe making the the tackle, I got to still punch and finish the play, even though it's like, say, a second after and get off of it. They had you in the cross buck. They was working. <laughs> right. But, you, but, but, you know, that's one of the things I remember I used to, I used to hate when we used to do <laughs> half line drills. This dude named Victor Alate, so he never like doubled on the five and come. Up. He would just come straight up there, and get, you know, and he knew the snap count. So you, I mean, you have to do those type of things. But ultimately, you know, it's not about like me as a person, but it's just the concept of learning how to compete, learn how to sacrifice, learn how to take a situation, and also realize where you're something that you're not good at. And not sit there and wait for it to be given to you. Go and take it. Go and earn it. And you might, you know, was I the best bubble player? No. But was I a more positive than negative? Yes. Was I at first? Heck no. I hated it. And the part of the reason why I wasn't good at it, because I hated it. You, hated you know what it. I thought? Why me? Poor me. <laughs> I shouldn't be competing with him. I'm better than him. But then you recognize. But then I recognize, you know what, none of that's going to change. Didn't, you know, and then, like, even, like, after, you know, we beat Florida, and then they told me that I was going to – and this is the funny thing I'll talk about when you, people go on the transfer portal. So we beat Florida, won a national championship. My dad's at the game. You know, we hang out. And that, by that time, we used to play either New Year's Eve or New Year's Day. School started, like, the 6th or 7th, you know. Then, you, you know, you get to go home for a, a day or two. And then you're right back at it, you know, um, the good old sacrifice of, of the way school was back then. So either when I was at home or when I first got back, you know, they was like, oh, yeah, you know, you're, we're going to switch you positions. And I'm like, yo, I just figured I, this out. I just earned my spot here. right? <laughs> I just figured this out. So my first thing was I caught one of my best friends was at Michigan and we he was my quarterback. My other friend was at Michigan State, Leroy McFadden. I'm on them, on the phone with them to tell Coach Saban, and I think it was DeBoer or whoever was at uh, Michigan, you know, told them the deal, you know, just won national championship. They're up there trying to give me a split time. It was all about me, right? Me, because my feeling, my ego was hurt or whatever. So I was probably like a couple days away, and then my dad was like, I ain't signing no papers. You ain't going nowhere, and hung up the phone. Get back to work. Right? And he's like, he's like, the reason why I'm not letting you do it, he's like, all your points are valid, right? But. He said, he said, but no matter where you go, there's going to be guys you have to compete with. That was my uncle. No matter where you go, go. there you are. Yeah, you, you are. better figure that out. Because because then, <laughs> then he was like, well, you're going to have to play a different defense. It's different opponents. You got to start over. You again. You got to start over again. You got to learn your teammates. Yeah. They've been there. They know it, and all this other stuff. Now you just got to go here and figure it out, and you already know what you're doing. Bruh, look, man, that's good stuff. Uh, we'll throw the break when we come back. Uh, we'll go through the NBA, NFL schedule, uh, and your results for the weekend and get us all set up for New England and Buffalo tonight. Remember, Nicole Griffith, Connor Happer will be down at Upside Bar and Lounge from 6, 6 to 8 o'clock tonight, and then behind that from 8 to 9, 
Talking Tits with uh, Michaela Curtis and uh, Kenzie Roby. We'll do that here on 93.7 The Ticket. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Watch Old School Live on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch. Old School with DP and J on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com.